I couldn't, couldn't help myself. I'm watching the slides and I see that big body of water that's up on the screen and, and it's, the lyric is, water you turned into wine and I'm thinking, man, that's a lot of wine. <laughs> Dude, it's a lot. Well, would you pray with me as we get started this morning? We're going to be treading into Satan's territory today, so we need to be covered with prayer. Lord, I thank you that I am a child of God and that I am covered by the blood of the Lamb. Lord, as we explore Satan's territory today, I thank you that we don't have to fear. Our faith is in you, you who created the universe. Between you and Satan, there is no contest. Satan is already a defeated enemy. Lord, protect us from his lashing out or disruptions. We stand before you in the full armor of Ephesians 6, ready to engage in this spiritual war as you direct us. According to the scriptures, we take authority over this place and over these people, and we place them in your care. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. There was an old professor of mine who used to say quite a bit that Satan is not subtle. Often in situations, he will overplay his hand because of his pride. He just can't resist. You know, there's always that just a bit too much overdone that sometimes clues you in when you're engaged in spiritual warfare. When we encounter Satan, we have to remember that we have the strength of Christ to support us. And we have the foreknowledge and the knowledge that Satan is a defeated enemy. Even so, we confront him humbly in Christ's authority and not ours. Satan still has teeth, you know, and he will bite as many people as he can until the day when that place created for him and his demons is shut and shut tight. The truth is that we are engaged in a spiritual war every single day of our lives. We think of it as something like a special thing we do or a special occasion or, or something that you engage in only when it's necessary. But the truth is you're already in it. And you are in it as a believer all the time. It's real. And it will be real until the final conflict that takes place, however that unfolds. Now, we know that Satan has been defeated, and we ultimately know that he will be vanquished entirely, and we wait for that day with great anticipation. In our series uh, this morning, our passage in our series on Revelation is Revelation chapter 12. Um, do any of you watch superhero movies? Anybody at all? You know, you know what an origin story is? An origin story is how the person came to be what they are or how they are. You know that Spider-Man got bitten by a radioactive spider. You know, that's part of the Spider-Man lore. Bruce Banner got exposed to gamma radiation and turned into the Hulk. Elon Musk got exposed to money. And we're not quite sure what happened. <laughs> As a counterpart, every hero has a villain in those stories, and it's based on the age-old conflict between good and evil. Every supervillain has an origin story, 
how they came to be who they are and how they came to be what they are. Uh, before the opening act of the second half of Revelation, and we're at about the halfway point or just past, Jesus reveals to John something about Satan's story and about his battle against God's people. In fact, the next several chapters, all the way up to chapter 16, are all part of a war that's played out in heaven. It's kind of a cosmic battle. Let's look at the beginning of that story. Um, I invite you to open your Bible and follow along as we look at Revelation chapter 12. Uh, there are extra Bibles in the pews if you don't have yours with you today, but I always find it's a lot easier to follow along with the passage as, uh, as we're going into it. John encourages us to read aloud this vision that he gave. And so through the series, we've been reading aloud as much of it as we can. Some sections are, are very lengthy. This one's a little bit more lengthy this morning, but I encourage you to listen and follow along. I think you're going to hear a story, and you're going to hear the power of God. Starting in verse 12. A great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and seven crowns on its heads. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her and devour her child the moment he was born. She gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter? And her child was snatched up to God and to his throne. The woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her by God where she might be taken care of for 1260 days. And then the war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. And then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of the Messiah. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. They have triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. They did not love their lives so much as to shrink from death, and therefore rejoice. Rejoice, you heavens, and you who dwell in them. But woe to the earth and the sea, because the devil has gone down to you, and he is filled with fury, because he knows that his time is short. When the dragon saw that he had been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. And the woman was given two wings of a great eagle so she might fly to the place prepared for her in the wilderness where she would be taken, of, taken care of for a time, times and a half a time, out of the serpent's reach. And then from his mouth the serpent spewed water like a river to overtake the woman and sweep her away with the torrent. But the earth helped the woman by opening its mouth and swallowing the river that the dragon had spewed out of its mouth. Then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, 
That's those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. Long piece, but it reveals a whole lot about who Satan is and what the battle is between Satan and God's followers. In this chapter, there's really three main characters we want to jump in and look at. Um, There's the woman, the child, and the dragon. And then the chapter is really divided into two parts. It's divided into the part that talks about Satan's fall, and the second half really talks about the war that Satan engages in. So let's take a look at that. We uh, want to encourage you, as we had before, to remember that, that don't get lost in the little details. You know, it's very easy to get caught up in trying to figure out, you know, what's the big toe on this beast and what's this eye mean and this horn over there. You know, like, don't get lost in those details. Look for the big picture. Look for the themes because that's where you're going to get the most spiritual benefit. So let's look at the characters. Let's start with the first one revealed, and that's the woman. It says in this scripture, the great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She was pregnant and cried out in pain as she was about to give birth. Now remember, this is a sign in heaven. Sometimes sign means stars, sometimes sign means just some vision or something that you can see, but, but a sign appears in heaven, and this is the sign. When we look at this passage, you know, it's pretty obvious when you first look at it that it, part of it, at least on the surface, is talking about Mary about to give birth to Jesus, right? That's pretty obvious. More than 90 years before John began writing his piece, the ultimate confrontation between good and evil, between Satan and God, began to take place. This confrontation was beginning. Now, in this passage, I want you to know that Mary represents, or this this woman represents more than just Mary. This woman also, throughout the passage, you'll find will represent believers. Those Jews who turned to Christianity to follow Jesus, and those Christians that were their offspring that came afterwards. So we're talking about the church, right? So she represents all of God's people and all of God's plans for humanity. It says she's clothed with the sun, moon under her feet, and 12 stars on her head. How many tribes in Israel? 12. So you see that repeated over and over all the way through Revelation, that 12 theme will come up again and again, either the 12 apostles or the 12 tribes of Israel. That's how you get the 24 elders that you see in heaven. Well, we want to understand um, what happens to God's people, to those who come to believe in Jesus, and, and all of the generations that come after that. You know, this conflict between Satan and God, it was prophesied a long, long time ago. In fact, all the way back to Genesis. If you go into Genesis chapter 3, you'll see it says, and I will put enmity between you and the woman. This is in the curse now. I will put enmity between you and the woman, talking to to the serpent, to Satan, and between your offspring and hers, and he will crush your head and you will strike his heel. God always has a plan, right? And God has a plan for Eve's descendants, and it goes down through the chosen people, the Jews, and it goes down through the family line of King David, 
And it goes down through Mary's birth of Jesus. God has a plan. God has control. He didn't lose control because Satan interrupted something that he was doing. You know, if it was you and me, I I bet we would probably deal with Satan forever. We would not have let Satan get away with corrupting humanity. We'd have crushed him right on the spot. But God had a plan. And God's plan was that he was going to use the very people that Satan corrupted to bring him to his ultimate end. And so down through humanity, you see that line. And you see how it gets more and more specific until Jesus. Now, Satan is the next character in this thing, in this vision. And they call him the dragon. It says, Then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and ten crowns on its head. And its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky and flung them to the earth. The dragon stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. Now, this is not a short course on demonology this morning. Um, You know, if you want to do a course on on demonology or a course on spiritual warfare, I know Carlos Rosado does a great job on that, and we host that here. Uh, We did a a couple of times in the last couple of years, and so you might look for that and and join up and be a part of that. But, But I do want to tell you something about Satan this morning in Scripture. You know, 29 times Satan is referred to in the Gospels. And of those 29, 25 of them are spoken by Jesus. Jesus mentions his name that often. His name means adversary. But he's also got a lot of other names. Let me put that list up there. The devil. Lucifer. He's called the prince of demons in Matthew 12, 24. He's called the prince of this world in John 12, 31. Ephesians 2, 2 calls him the ruler or the kingdom of the kingdom of the air. And it says that he's the spirit who is now at work in those people who are disobedient. He's called the god of this world, the evil one, the roaring lion, Abaddon, the destroyer, the serpent, the deceiver, the accuser, He has a lot of names, a lot of names, and he's not happy with God's people. Adversary literally means obstructor, the one who gets in the way, or he at least attempts to get in the way of God's plan, doesn't he? Satan does, and I want to make this clear because I think a lot of people understand or misunderstand Satan, he does not have God's main attributes. He is not omnipresent. That means he's not everywhere at the same time. He he is limited to one location. Um, He is not omniscient. He doesn't know everything. And, And he can't read your mind. He can watch you and learn about you, but he can't reach into your mind and take stuff out. It's just not scriptural. He's not omnipotent. He's not all powerful. He can't do all things like God can do all things. And he doesn't have the power of creation that God has. Uh, A lot of people believe that Satan created the demons. That's not true. Demons are fallen angels, as we'll see here in a moment. And they are finite in number, not unlimited. So I wanted to point that stuff out, because that's pretty important and pretty basic. Scripture says 
I'll get this to come up. There you go. Talking about the child, who's the third character. It says, she gave birth to a son, a male child who will rule over all the nations with an iron scepter. Who do you think the child is? Come on. Jesus. The child is Jesus, the Messiah. And, and notice the wording. And lo, she gave birth to a son. Have we heard that somewhere before? That's out of the Christmas story, isn't it? It's straight lift. Comes right out of that story. And it says here that he will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. Well, that's another lift. That's right out of Psalm 2, verse 9. It talks about the Messiah who is coming. It talks about the Jesus who is going to be the Messiah. So we got these three characters, right? We've got the woman, we've got the dragon, and we've got the child who we know is Jesus. So as we said before, this vision, or at least part of this vision, has two parts. Satan's fall and Satan's war. It says, starting in verse 7, Then war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought back. But he was not strong enough, and they lost their place in heaven. The great dragon was hurled down, that ancient serpent called the devil, or Satan, who leads the whole world astray. He was hurled to the earth and his angels with him. Now, a lot of people believe that the, the third of all of the stars in heaven that the dragon's tail swept down are a third of heaven uh, a third of heaven's angels fallen. Now, that may be true. We don't know that for sure. The scripture doesn't explicitly say that. But however the number, whatever the number is, that when Satan fell, all of the angels who fell with him or who followed him fell as well. And they are what we call demons. Ezekiel 28 has a prophecy against the king of Tyre, and we believe if you listen to it, it's kind of, it's double language. It's also speaking about Satan. It says in this prophecy, you were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you, carnelian, chrysolite, emerald, topaz, onyx, jasper, lapis lazuli, turquoise, and beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold on the day you were created. They were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian angel, for I so ordained you. You were there on the holy mount of God. You walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until wickedness was found in you. Through your widespread trade, you were filled with violence and you sinned. And so I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God, and I expelled you, guardian cherub, from among the fiery stones. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor, and so I threw you down to the earth. Satan was a guardian angel. He was a cherub. He was among those angels that were closest to God in the throne room of God. And he served before the, the, the stones, the fiery stones of the altar of God. You might remember Isaiah chapter 6 when God calls Isaiah. And Isaiah says, I can't have this encounter. I am not holy and God is holy. And the angel picks up a coal from the altar and touches his lips. Because he says, 
I am a man of unclean lips, and God cleanses him. And that's the coals that we're talking about right here, the coals from the fire of the altar. Well, then Isaiah talks about Satan. He says, how you have fallen from heaven, morning star, son of the dawn. You've been cast down to the earth, and you who once laid low the nations, you said in your heart, I will ascend to the heavens. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned in the Mount of Assembly on the utmost heights of Mount Zaphon. And I will ascend across the tops or above the tops of the clouds. And I will make myself like the Most High. That you are brought down to the realm of the dead, to the depths of the pit. Satan is full of pride. Satan is arrogant. He's a usurper. He wants to be a ruler. He's a ruler wannabe. And he tries to take over heaven. That's Satan. In the rest of this chapter, um, it talks about that war of Satan. You know, after Satan is cast down, there's, a, there's kind of a song. I know songs or poems in, in Scripture, especially in the Revelation, you know, it says a voice spoke. Well, it could be the choir speaking in one voice, or it could be simply one of the angels speaking. But it begins by saying, for the accuser of our brothers and sisters who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. There's a celebration. These guys are happy that this has happened. And, and they're singing about it or they're talking about it in verse. And in verse 12 it says, there it is. He is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. His time to rule on earth. His time to be the king of this world. His time to instigate persecution is almost done. His time before the final judgment is getting smaller and smaller. So for Satan, it's all coming to an end. So Satan, who cannot defeat God, turns his fury, turns his anger on God's people and does his best to defeat them. And he starts a war. It says, when the dragon saw that he'd been hurled to the earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. A lot of symbolism in this last part of the chapter, a lot of it. It's a bit confusing, but essentially, as we said, the, the, the woman represents the believers of God, those who would come after. And they're pursued by Satan. And God takes the woman to a safe place for keeping during a period of time. Verse 17 kind of sums up Satan's war nicely. It says, it really does say, then the dragon was enraged at the woman and went off to wage war against the rest of her offspring, those who keep God's commands and hold fast their testimony about Jesus. So, you remember at the beginning we talked about this woman representing all of God's people, believing Jews and Christians alike. He pursued them because he couldn't stop God from winning through Jesus on the cross. And it was no contest. But that's how Jesus defeated him. And because Satan was unable to take the place of God, because God is powerful beyond Satan could even dream of in his biggest dreams. Satan was cast out. And because he wasn't able to kill Jesus, God's son, at least not permanently, 
He waged war on believers. He declared war on everyone who believes that Jesus died on the cross for their sins. He waged war on those who believe in the resurrection, those who have received Jesus as Lord and Savior. He hates all believers, and he wants to stop you from believing in Jesus and following Jesus. And he'll do this by any means possible. That's the battle. That's the war that we're engaged in. Now, you may have noticed when I was going through the first part that I skipped over verse 11. I want to put verse 11 up because it's pretty key. Verse 11 says, They triumphed over him by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of their testimony, and they did not love the lives so much or their lives so much as to shrink from death. So it's, it's talking about believers and martyrs here. And how did they overcome Satan? How do we overcome Satan when this vision becomes fulfilled in the future? God's followers, in the day of this prophecy, defeat Satan. How? By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. The blood of the Lamb is the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. They were under God's blood. Jesus shed blood on our behalf. We're going to commemorate that here in communion here in a few minutes. Their sins were covered by that blood that Jesus shed. Their sins were forgiven. It was the purchase price of that sin. And their sins were erased just as ours are as we receive Jesus. You know, God put a lot of tools in our hands as believers to defeat the enemy. Uh, you know, Scripture is one of those things. You see Jesus using Scripture as he's tempted in the desert to push Satan back and, and reject him and to push him away. But if you spend some time in Ephesians chapter 6 reading about that full armor of God, you'll see that there's this whole list of things that God gives us to defend and to defeat for those two things. What are your most powerful weapons in this war? Aren't they the blood of the Lamb and the word of your testimony, the same as those in the future who defeat Satan? Aren't they that same? Receiving Jesus and living by faith means you win. You win. Satan may attack you. He may harass you. He may attack your health. He may attack your, your emotional well-being. He may attack a lot of things, but he cannot take your soul, and he cannot take eternity from you. It's just not happening. We sometimes, in prayer, when we're in spiritual warfare, plead the blood of Jesus but I don't know if we always understand what that means. What that really means is we're claiming what Jesus did for us on the cross. It's not a magic incantation. It's Jesus who accomplished this task ahead of time. The word of their testimony is simply the truth that they have believed and followed Christ. Every believer has that in common. But how it unfolds in your life is unique to you. So each of you have a, a different story about how you encounter Jesus. 
And that's a powerful story because you're the only one who has it. And nobody can say that's not true because they didn't experience it. You experienced it. And you're able to share that. And it's powerful. Your testimony is powerful defense against Satan and it's powerful witness to the people around you. Your testimony. Satan is a defeated enemy. We know that. But that doesn't mean he's not dangerous. Even a dog on a leash is dangerous if you get too close. Don't get arrogant. Don't get prideful. Don't get careless. You don't go out of your way to provoke him. There's that scripture that says that, that uh, even the angels did not dispute with him when they were contending for the body of Moses. But you don't have to run from him. You don't have to hide from him. You don't have to be afraid with him because Jesus has already taken care of him through the cross and ultimately he will be dealt with for good. And you, in Christ, are far stronger. You're far stronger. Jesus, the Lamb of God, sacrificed himself on the cross for our redemption, for our protection, in our place, and we will be with God, no matter what Satan throws at us. For a believer, departure from this life means it's just like stepping through a door into the arms of Jesus. That's the promise that we have. No matter what Satan throws at us. Satan has his own story. But God's story is so much better. Amen? Heavenly Father, thank you for loving each of us so much that you sent your only son, Jesus, to die for us. Thank you that my sins are covered and that I am forgiven. Thank you that you've already had the victory and that you're having that victory in our lives right now. We look forward to the coming of the Lord once more. We look forward to your reign in the new heaven and the new earth at the end of the age. We trust in you always. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. We're going to move now into communion and sharing the Lord's table together. If you did not receive uh, one of the little